Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for Tuesday, November 22nd, as the Flyers are now coming off a seventh straight loss. I guess the official term is seven-game winless skid. They are 0-5-2 in their last seven, and they lose to Calgary last night by a final score of 5-2. to You know, the game was from right from the beginning, the first two goals that Calgary scores to go up 2-0 in the game. Both of them come on a two-on-one, odd man rush. Huberto at 4.43, and then at 13.51, and then at 13.51, it was Dylan Dubé who uh, picked up the two-on-one goal. Flyers did cut the lead to 2-1 at 14.33 of the second period when Tanner Lazinski picked up his first NHL goal on a redirect off a Kevin Hayes shot from the uh, high middle. But the two two two-on-ones by Huberto and Dubé, you know, these are very tricky for a defenseman to play. And I was sitting with Justin Kolowakowski, who is the Flyers' e-bug, the emergency backup goaltender. And as these two goals happened, we were talking about them. The They're very similar in the way they were played. They were both played by Travis Sanheim. And the only difference was on the first one, Huberto comes down the right side of the ice. And on the second one, Dubé comes down the left side of the ice. But they're very similar in the sense of how they were played. On a two-on-one, you really need to take away that pass because if the goaltender's got to move side to side laterally, it's a much more difficult save than a straight-on shot. Analytics speak to that. The goaltender's got to open up. He's got to push. He's got to find his perfect depth and his angle and his net and all of those things. And on a bang-bang play, that's a more difficult save. But I do believe there is a, a line of demarcation where the defender can't leave so take away the pass so I guess pronounced in a way that allows the puck carrier to be able to just walk as close to the goalie as he wants to to unleash that shot I think you have to take away that pass but still be close enough to the puck carrier to be able to pivot and maybe take some time away from him or force the shot a little earlier and on both of those occasions Travis Sanheim was very pronounced in taking away the pass option. And, you know, Huberto comes in and gets really close to the net and fires one and beats Carter Hart. And then Dubé does the same thing on the other side of the ice. And, you know, you can at some point, I guess, pivot to the guy to try and force that shot before he gets so close that it's just such a difficult save. These guys can shoot the puck so incredibly well when you get that close. It also, for the goaltender, you know, you're wondering as a goalie, do I take more ice? Because if I take more ice and he does get a pass through, it's more real estate I've got to cover. It's further I have to go. Also, if I take some ice to make myself bigger and he's got the clear path to the net, now he can also come in and put a move on me and deke me. So I didn't love how either one of those goals played out in that sense. And you're going to hear from Torts in a minute, and he doesn't like how the goals played out because the lack of recognition on the ice to allow the two-on-one to happen in the first place. You know, the Flyers run a very aggressive four-check system. You see their D pinch down the walls a lot. That's part of their four-check. It's a 2-1-2, two, two, 
and the D, once you force the puck into the strong side, is going to go pinch down the wall, and the f- third forward, F3, has got to rotate back and cover that D position because if that D does pinch down the wall and the forward doesn't cover it, it's an odd man rush the other way, and the back pressure is never going to catch it. And that's what happened on both of those goals. you got to recognize that that D is crashing down the boards and going to try and keep that puck in the zone and force a turnover, but F3's got to read that and then rotate back to defend in that position. It is a high-risk forecheck system designed to put your opponent under a ton of pressure and to cough up the puck and either give you possession at a minimum or a turnover like we saw in the Farabee goal in the third period at 8.03 when he cut the lead to 3-2. There's Zach McEwing coming from underneath, so behind the play on Tyler Toffoli on the boards, and Tony D'Angelo is crashing down the wall in a pinch. And Toffoli sees that. I've got pressure from both sides, and he tries to make a play to the middle of the ice. Totally ill-advised, but this is in the third period where the Flyers have been pinching like crazy, and he thought he had a play there, and he could send his team the other way on an odd man rush. Farabee read it and jumped to the middle, took the puck, and eventually went in and beat Jacob Marsh from a high blocker. But there is risk involved in it. And if F3 doesn't read that the D is coming down the wall, you get exactly what happened on the Huberto and Dubé goal. It's an odd man rush the other way. And it's an odd man rush basically from the red line in. A two-on-one. That That's, to me, where the game was won by Calgary. With those two plays. And Farabee, like I mentioned, he met, he gets the goal to, to make it 3-2 in the third period. Flyers are in a tight game. They have some good opportunities and good pressure, but ultimately not able to get anything by Jacob Markstrom. A couple of empty net goals for Calgary kind of makes the score look a little bit more pronounced than it was. It's a one-goal hockey game with two empty net goals. Coleman and uh, Trevor Lewis scored, and that made it a 5-2 score. And the Flyers, like I said, go 0-5-2 now in their last seven games. And they'll look to stop the bleeding coming up on Wednesday before we get to the holiday. Uh, against the Washington Capitals on the road. First time we'll see the Caps this season, as a matter of fact. And the Caps have not been off to a great start. They've dealt with some injuries as well. But you see the Flyers out there, and you're missing five players that would all be in your top six. You're missing James Van Riemsdyk and Travis Konechny and Scott Lawton and Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier. I mean, we all know who's out. And they're, they're going in there with a lineup that it's going to be tough to win, and it's going to be tough to get results. I thought they worked hard in the game, although, as Tort said after the game too, um, both teams seem to be lacking energy, and it's a situation where he called it low-event hockey, and I agree, it was pretty low-event. There were some moments in the game, and there was a little bit of, a little bit of, like these teams have played each other a couple times, a little bit of disparity for the or disdain for the opponent. But ultimately, it was pretty low event hockey. And the Flyers need to play not necessarily high event hockey, but they need to play hockey that gets a little bit more chaotic around the blue paint in the offensive zone. When they scored the goal, the first goal, the Tanner Lazinski goal, you know, Hayes spins that puck on a turnaround to the net, and there's two Flyers players there. Tanner Lazinski gets the deflection. But by proxy, because there's two Flyers players around the top of the blue paint, there's also two Calgary Flames, and that makes it really difficult on Markstrom. 
So Luzinski picks up his first goal. Farabee gets a goal. That's good to see. Joel's been a little up and down this year. Don't know how much, you know, recovering from this neck surgery is affecting him. But I think it definitely is affecting him, especially his handle. But, you know, when it comes to Joel Farabee, we know kind of what Joel Farabee is. And he'll take the next steps. It also took Jack Eichel, who had the same exact surgery, uh, a little bit of time to get his game back in order after having it. So it's going to take Joel Farabee a little bit of time as well. It's it's not a luxury that you have time to wait. and But that part is what it is at this point. And the Flyers uh, will we'll try and go back at it on Wednesday. I mean, I guess, I don't know if this is good news or not, but James Van Riemsdyk, Travis Connecting, and Cam Atkinson all had a conditioning skate uh, on the practice ice yesterday uh, by themselves. So that's a, a good sign that all three were on the ice. I guess we're getting about 10 days away from this from James Van Riemsdyk uh, returning. That was kind of the timeline after the surgery. Cam Atkinson, we're hoping, maybe December, uh, to see Cam Atkinson. And obviously, Travis Konechny, we're all waiting for some clarification in that and a timeline. But hopefully, he won't be out long. I, I take that as a good sign that he was on the ice yesterday skating. So uh, we'll see where that goes as well. But the Flyers, as beat up as they are, um, they are working hard. And that's a good thing. And we're going to get to a ton of messages that I got from people about the question that I asked, you know, is them working hard and giving max effort, you know, enough for this year? I got a ton of great messages and we're going to do that on tomorrow's episode and someone's coming up this week. Also programming note for you real quick, John Tortorella will join us on an episode of this podcast this week. I think it may be Friday's episode. Uh, We're working out the details on that and timing. It's games every other day, 21 games in 40 days. No break of two days between games in that 40 days. So uh, we're going to get that scheduled, and we'll get uh, Torts here on the podcast and talk about what he's seen so far this season. And, you know, he did say yesterday it's it's hard to judge this team right now when you've got this many players out. You're trying to figure out who's who, and you can do a good amount of that as, you know, you look at guys under a microscope individually. But as far as what the team is, I think that's really hard to judge right now. With the amount of injuries, not that our expectations were overly high, had they been pretty darn healthy this year. That just has not been the case for them. So let's get to the head coach after the game. He had a chance to address the media, and here's his thoughts. John, you guys cut the lead to one twice, but what happened with the start? Obviously, there's been issues this year. Yeah, we were, we were flat. Um, give up uh, both of the goals are just not supporting our D. Our D were in the rush. Our D was pinched uh, on the two situations, and our forward didn't back him up, gave up a two-on-one. We talked this morning about how you kind of approach things differently considering how there are all these young guys down there. I guess, how do you look at this game with that in mind? Like, how does that take a different perspective? I'm not sure what you're asking me. I'm, I'm going to look at this game and uh, do the tape and just try to get better. Show them some of the things we need to work on, uh, uh, some of the things we did right, and wake up tomorrow and start another day. So I guess like the fact that it was all young guys today doesn't like change how you look at it normally. If you were well, well, there's certain things that you go over uh, more with youth than with uh, veteran guys. Uh, there, there is. There's some mistakes made uh, by younger guys that you, you handle a little bit differently, yeah. But, um, but 
Yeah, I, I, I look at the tape and then that speaks to me and uh, I'll just go about it after that as far as our meeting's concerned. John, what are some characteristics of good NHL organizations who are able to overcome injuries to key players? What are you asking me? What are some characteristics of good NHL organizations that can overcome injuries to key players? What team does it the best? Is that, is that what you're asking me? What are their characteristics? How are they able to do that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Go a little, go on a high note. Tanner, great first goal. Would loved it in a win, got it in a loss. He's been popping off this game, though. How do you compare this performance to his other performances this season? Who are you speaking of? Tanner, his first game coming up from Lehigh. Uh, yeah, he had some good shifts. Uh, flattened out, had another couple of good shifts. Um, yeah. John, Scored a goal, that's good. Maybe that'll help him about those two turnovers not supporting your D. Is it kind of the growing pains right now, especially with all the younger no, guys? No, not those. Not those. I, you know, I have a 27-year-old that should be backing up the first one. And, uh, and another player that's played in the league for a number of games that sh should be backing up the second one. So that, that's uh, not everything's going to be blamed on youth here. Uh, th those are fundamental mistakes we made as far as just simply backing up when you see your D involved somewhere that that last forward needs to back up we didn't on both occasions it's in the back of our net on the flip side of the defensive mistakes i know this past week you've talked a little bit about the importance of making plays How, where do you feel like the playmaking was in the not game? many at all i i by either team I, I thought it was a really low event game uh we didn't give them much we gave them some easy ones there in the two-on-one but other than that there wasn't uh, uh I, I thought it looked like t uh, two teams with low energy I thought we uh, gained some when we scored and uh, had some chances. Kevin has an open net there. I, I thought we had some chances with the goalie pulled. Uh, you know, that's it, it, that's going to have to be the recipe for us. We're going to need great goaltending. He's, our goaltender is going to have to be the best player every night, and we got to try to keep a game close to make it into a one-bounce game uh, or, or a lucky goal. Or, uh, whatever it may be, I think that's the way we're going to have to find our way until we get uh, uh, some of our lineup solidified. You mentioned uh, Kevin. Uh, what did you think of him at left wing since the first time he's ever played there with the Flyers? No, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. He, he, I, I thought his game, uh, obviously we moved the lines around. I, I, I thought Frosty's line really struggled. and uh, We may revisit that line again, but tonight I just need to split it up. And Kevin jumped back in the middle. Uh, uh, and made some plays, had some chances, was in some of the uh, the offense that we did have. We didn't have a whole bunch. And again, I don't think Calgary did either. Uh, but Hazy, Hazy will be fine there if I put him there. Uh, you mentioned about the goaltending. You guys are going to need great goaltending. Mm -hmm. This is a really busy stretch for you guys. You're in the middle of it. There's more games coming. Are you getting any sense that, that Carter might be getting a bit tired due to the Yes, yeah, I don't. I don't buy that. I, I, I not to this point. Uh, we we have had a lot of days off, and uh, I, I think sometimes a goaltender can be talked into being tired. Uh, um, at least to this game here, I, I, I think he's fresh enough to play up to this game. Now, what what happens our next game? I don't know. Uh, uh, Dilly and I have those conversations, but I, I, um, I think that's part of of Carter growing too, is to handle some of the load. And um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not, uh, 
I, I just, I do think athletes can be talked into being tired. And sometimes an athlete has to battle through it when we're in a little bit of a jam and you're the number one guy, you, you battle through it and try to find a way to help us. I, I think that's part of growing as a goaltender. John, you had a special guest before the game uh, reading the starting lineup. What did it mean for you to have, to be able to give the family that moment? Yeah, th those are those are hard times. Uh, I, I had an opportunity to talk to the young man uh, uh, before he passed, and yeah, you feel for the family. Uh, the, pa the past couple of nights, uh, as far as the presentations and uh, you see some of these kids that uh, fight their ass off, right, for the the number one thing, a living, not a hockey game. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad they stepped in there. They, uh, the kid, they, the brother seemed very excited. I got a chance to meet the mom, and uh, yeah, so we're we're thrilled that they got to be a part of us. I wish we won the game for him, but it didn't happen that way. There he is, head coach John Tortorella addressing the media after the game. You heard him call it low event hockey. It was a low event game. Um, he also talked at the very end there about it was hockey fights, cancer night at Wells Fargo Center. Several really touching moments last night at the game. And including, you know, Travis Sanheim wearing uh, the number 11 A.J. Grande jersey in warm-ups. And A.J. Grande did have a chance to meet with uh, John Tortorella when he was first hired. Unfortunately, uh, A.J. passed away a couple months ago. And his family was in the building last night. And uh, uh, that was another touching moment to happen in Hockey Fights Cancer Knife. Gives you a little perspective uh, when you have a night like that, there was a woman that was in a box and her name was Jerry and she's cancer free right now and went through a battle and everybody in the stadium started chanting, Jerry, Jerry, and she was very emotional. So that was awesome to see as well. And we wish her the best of luck. Uh, one other thing that Torts mentioned was he was asked about Carter Hart and getting tired from workload and, you know, all the, the elements of being a number one goaltender. And Torts talked about, you know, sometimes the quote he had was sometimes athletes can be talked into being tired. I think that's really interesting because as he said that, and I heard it when I was still at the game, and I really thought about it on my ride home, it's the power of suggestion. You know, when you, you're in the midst of 21 games in 40 days, you know, the questions, hey, are you guys tired? Are you guys blah, blah, blah. And the more you talk about it as a narrative, it's almost like you're talking them into, into that, into being tired. When your mind doesn't go there or it's not talked about, perhaps you don't get tired. But because it's talked about, it opens your mind to the possibility, hey, I should be tired. And then all of a sudden, you get tired. I believe that. <laughs> I may be crazy, but I actually believe that. I think athletes can be talked into being tired. Now, there's different kinds of tired for athletes, pro athletes. There's physically tired. There's tired from not enough sleep. There's emotionally tired. And there's mentally tired. All those things, you can probably, in essence, be talked into being them. So I thought that was a very interesting turn of phrase from uh, John Tortorella in his availability with the media there. But uh, tomorrow, we're going to preview Flyers caps. Flyers go into this game with a team that is actually below them in the standings. Flyers have played 19 games. They have 18 points, a record of 7, 8, and 4. The Caps have played 20 games and a record of 7, 10, and 3. And each team, 2, 6, and 2 in their last 10. 
Fighters have lost seven straight. The Caps have lost four straight. What gives? We'll preview it tomorrow in a brand new Flyers Daily. <laughs>